Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 8718 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with the Double L team filling in for the M Factor, Lyle and Lawson while Mon is away in Africa. Of course you won't be missing Mon because she joins us here every day with her daily update and interviews from Kenya in Africa where she is right now and of course she will continue to do so uh, as she continues to work over there. Just uh, an amazing presentation that she's going to do today. One of the most confronting pieces of news that I think we have ever put to air here on Faith FM as she builds a word picture of what it is that she is actually seeing there in Africa right now. And so stay tuned for that. That is a, 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 a news piece that you will not want to miss in any way, shape or form. Of course, we know all about this because it is the delayed broadcast. It has already taken place. The other big news item of today is in relationship to the Groove and the Moo um, Music Festival down in the ACT, which has approved pill testing. And so Lawson and I are going to take up the super controversial subject of pill testing. Should Is this something that should exist or not exist? And we would love to hear your thoughts on the matter Except that you are the delayed broadcaster so It's a little bit late to send them through But hey, send them through via message anyway 0491064669 And there's every possibility that we will address the subject uh, At another time anyway And bring your comments out to us But of course if you would like to listen to the live show You know how that's done You simply go to faithfm.com.au on your phone And press Play. Um, plug your phone into your car stereo system, Bluetooth, um, uh, aux cord, however you want to do it, even a tape insert, and you are up and running. Alternatively, of course, you can use one of the radio apps such as the TuneIn radio app, which is what we use, and make Faith FM your favorite right there. Okay, so we've got, that's how you listen to the live show. And of course, coming up after that, we have uh, our encounter with God, where we are studying the very um, in-depth subject of the prophetic rise of Islam, something that we get so many questions on, so many people want to know all about Islam in Bible prophecy. Well, if you want to know about that, it is found in Revelation chapter 9, and we are going through that prophecy in detail. You will be astounded by the time prophecy that we become involved in today about how accurately it was fulfilled and what an impact it had on the world when its fulfillment was seen. That and so much more coming up in today's show. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We are back after this song.
Welcome back, everybody. At this time, as we do every morning, we're crossing over to Mon in Kenya to see what she has to say. Mon, we're looking forward to today's stories. Oh, good. How's it all going, Lyle? How's it all going, listeners? Going great. How are you getting the flu yet? Yeah, I'm getting on, I'm getting on top of it. Lawson oh, seems to be looking a little bit uh, healthier as well, so. Oh, bless yeah, his heart. Um, <laughs> I do have a, a, a bit of an update for you today, I have to say. Um, today has been probably one of the most confront. oh, no, not probably, definitely the most confronting day of this missing trip. Um, today we went out to a place called The Hilton, and it's not a five-star hotel at all. The Hilton is what um, they call the... The, the rubbish dump um, for Nakuru, the city of Nakuru. And it is a huge, a huge tip. Um, but there's actually a massive community of about 500 families um, living on this tip. And uh, for those of you who have seen the BBC documentary, A Human Planet will remember the episode. It was probably one of the most shocking episodes um, where the team, the BBC team, actually went out and filmed these people who live on this tip and how they um, they scavenged through the waste of the city to um, you know to eke out some sort of really rough uh, survival for them and themselves and their families. And uh, there's actually an Adventist church um, that's in this slum in this community. And uh, we held a clinic there today. It was the the biggest clinic we've had so far. We saw hundreds and hundreds of patients today. Um, it was just nonstop, and it, the poverty. I, I thought I'd been seeing poverty all this time, but this was just something that really just, like, my eyeballs were just falling out of my head. I cannot believe the things I saw today, um, the way these people live uh, on a rubbish dump. Like, I, it's, it's so hard to explain. Like, they live on a tip. Um, you know, they have four pieces of corrugated iron and uh, and maybe some twigs to fashion a thatch roof and underneath their feet is waste. Um, and there's pigs and, and just buzzards and, and wild animals just, you know, foraging through the filth next to them. And um, I, if anyone's watching, I actually put this up on my personal and on the Faith FM Instagram story. Uh, you can go watch it now. I actually do a little video where I... I start filming inside the church, which is just concrete walls, um, and then I step outside the church, and immediately uh, in the in the plot of land right directly next to the church, I just zoom in and you can see there's a huge mound of just filth and waste and rubbish, and there's this enormous swine um, just picking through it, and it it brings to mind the imagery of um, you know the prodigal son just sitting there eating the waste with the pigs and there's a church, there's a church in this filth, um, you know, which is good. We want a church there. We want to be where people are at their lowest so we can bring them up. Um, but it was just really incredible. Uh, it's the most dangerous part of town. Um, I found out that a lot of the the locals from the city never go up there because of um, they're just petrified of the danger. Um, it's got a massive problem with alcoholism, uh, which is incredible because, you know, <laughs> apparently they have, they have um, almost no wage. Like, I remember how last time I was telling you about the flower district where they make $3.50 Australian a day. In this district, they make 20 cents a day just oh reselling, reselling junk they found. Um, 
Uh, so that's the kind of wages that these people are earning. Actually, one point we went for a walk. We had to we had to have people with us, uh, locals, to protect us. We weren't allowed to leave the church um, the church courtyard without having a local with us. And uh, at one point we went for a walk with with one of our leaders and um, a local guy. And he, he we came across a man who was just sitting just sitting in the in the squalor, and he was collecting. Um, caps of bottles bottle caps and uh, and that was was his career that was you know his job that's how he was earning his living was collecting up the caps and you know that's what amounts to 20 what do you do uh, with the bottle cap just bottle caps yeah but what do you do with the bottle cap he he must take them to some sort of dispensary and and get them recycled in kenya you know how i put in how plastic bags are illegal and they're, they're quite they're they're quite um forward with their with their recycling and their and their green um initiatives uh so all the glass bottles here like people drink a lot of um soft drinks and sodas and while some of them come in plastic bottle a lot of them still come in glass and uh and they can actually take the bottles back to the factory and get i think it's about 20 bob so 20 shilling um back for each bottle and if you purchase a, a soft drink, actually, and uh, and because you know we're white people and they know that we're passing through, they'll often say to you, "Are you? Do you have any intention of bringing this bottle back to my shop? Because if not, I will charge you for the bottle extra, and you have to pay like an extra twenty, thirty, fifty bob sometimes for the bottle um, because you're not returning it." So I'm guessing that the the bottle caps is something similar. Like it's metal, so or anything metal was eked out from this from the filth because you're walking through the filth like it's, it, unfortunately i forgot to wear clothes and shoes today and so i was walking very carefully where i walk because there's just shattered glass everywhere um but there was almost no metal left everything had been sorted out um and it's it's incredible to realize that even though they only 20 cents a day there is so much alcohol prevalent in this in this in this slum um of course it's bootlegged it's the only alcohol i can pay for and uh, and while we went on this walk we accidentally came across um, this little secret passage uh, where the, the, the filth was high that we couldn't even through it and uh, we could smell it um, something and our leader realised that they, they had found a hiding place where the locals were hiding their bootleg liquor from the, from the police and they would hide it underneath the filth in the ground. So it would be like a ditch and then they would fill the whole thing with, with just rubbish and then they'd tuck their their bootleg underneath that um and so we accidentally happened to come across it so crime is just through the roof um and unfortunately so is abuse um we had a lady come in she was so bruised and she had bite marks all over her body um that she'd gotten from an abusive husband and so they actually had to call the police um but there's there's a lot of rape and um and uh, molestation happening in 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 the Hilton area unfortunately um is yeah it's, it's really it's really sad and on this walk we did come across a lady who actually invited us into her home and i <laughs> i want you to realize Lyle her home was smaller than the studio that you're in right now. Like the studio that we have at Faith FM that we complain about is so tiny because we can barely get past each other to get to our chairs to do our morning radio. Her home, her entire living is crammed into a space smaller than that studio. 
um, oh, and she lives in there with her three teenage grandchildren. And um, and she saw us walking by and she just you know, invited us and invited us in. And we were like, why is she so friendly? Because a lot of the locals up there are really standoffish. They don't like you taking photos. We had to be extremely discreet if we wanted to sink a picture. We were told it was probably safer to leave our cameras behind. Um, and it turned out that she'd actually been at the clinic last year uh, when they had hosted the there one of their previous mission trips and um and she has breast cancer and uh and they had raised funds to to get her treatment and um and so she actually showed us the results of the treatment and so forth and she couldn't speak any english and i couldn't speak any swahili but it was just such a touching moment to sit in this tiny tiny little shack on just this filthy couch which doubled as a bed as a you know as a as everything there's a little table with a little um camping stove that was her entire kitchen and um yeah it was just it was just a shocking day and we, we had lots of little kids coming up to us and we gave them some balls and some frisbee with which they immediately started playing with and it's it was it was just so shocking because they would throw the frisbee and it would go out over the top of these mounds of shattered glass bottles and they would just run over the top of it like it was nothing, like at the beach and it was a sand dune instead of like it's such a dangerous location. And their shoes, you know, they have they have like little rubber crocs or just sandals and their toes are sticking out everywhere. And I was just I was just thinking, man, they could not live their entire lives here without getting a whole bunch of diseases just through their feet alone. So that's where I was today. It's, if you want to check it out, just go online and look up Hilton Slum in Kenya and you'll see the location that I was today. And I just want to, I want to doubly thank everyone who donated um, towards this mission, mission trip today. Like I, I, I know there was a lady who was one of our listeners who called up and she donated in honor of her late father. And I wanted to also thank her again, um, just because every, every single dollar was like today just became really real to me and her father was definitely honored today and um yes everyone who donated we would definitely think about those people today and what they did to help this community in particular Mon, that is just an incredible story that you've shared with us today um i don't really even know what to say with the the description that you have given um do you did, were you able to take any photos that you, that you can send through that we can maybe post up on facebook and so forth Yes, I'll send them through um, as soon as I finish this and you can post them up straight away. Um, like I said, if you go to our, our Instagram, um, Faith FM Live is our handle. You can see a, um, a live movie that I took, just a quick uh, video there. And, um, yeah, I'll, post, I'll, I'll send some stuff through right now and you can post it up. And just it's, it's exactly what you think it is. It's a massive tip and people living on it. And it's just so shocking to actually see it. Mm. Mon, that's um, yeah, a sobering a sobering presentation. We do have to move on with our show this morning, but uh, thank you for sharing, and uh, we'll be back again, uh, Lawson and myself, right after this song.
this, you know what tomorrow brings. There's not a day yet you have not seen us. So when all things be my life and breath, I want what you want, Lord, and nothing less. When you don't move the mountain, I'm leading you to move. When you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers, as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. I will trust in Trust in you here on Faith FM and Lawson. That was a pretty confronting uh, section yeah, from Mon this morning. I don't was, know about you, but it certainly makes you very thankful to be living here in Australia. Man, it's it's just heavy. Like <laughs> like the section the section about the the woman living in the house. It's like smaller than the studio and the kids running over the mounds of glass. I'm like, man, that is. That is heavy. That is yep. That is a tough. Just, that it is, is hard to imagine life. living here in Australia. How many many people in our world live right now? But Lawson, we do need to continue our mm. show, and we have a first clue for the quiz. Bring us yes. the first clue. This is a who am I? And I think Lyle. I, I think you might get this straight away. This is this is one of Lyle's specialties right here. Okay, I was called Hananiah before my before I was given my new name. <laughs> so I was called Hananiah before giving. Being they go in a certain order, and I just always rattle them off in a certain order. And now, and now my brain's just gone to mush. Yep. I'll write it down for you in just a moment. Okay, um, but we do need to uh, talk about some other serious subjects, and I want to press the pill testing. But just wait before you press that button. Okay, just calm, calm it down because right. we need to give people the numbers so they can oh, answer of course, the of course, before you. One 3248438 because Lyle hasn't written it okay, down yet. I'm gonna write it down. He, 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 he 
Oh, yeah, sorry. Okay, you wrote it down. Okay, sorry. It was just sitting there and I was just sorry. like... Yeah. Sh- sorry, guys. So, no double prizes, but you can still get a prize. Give us a call. 1-800-324-843. You'll get a prize if you answer this call correctly. Okay, Lyle. Yes. You wanted to press a button. Yes. Which button's We're that? going to push, press the... Pill testing rant button. Oof, oof. Lawson. Okay, okay. Ready? Yeah. Set. Go. Okay. Oh, so I'm ranting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. You've been telling me you've been waiting to rant on this one for a while. Okay, so Lawson, you're a young person. You've yes. just, just turned 20 just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, you're a fairly, re- a re- re- relatively recent Christian, so I'm imagining mm-hmm. that uh, music festivals was part of your scene back in the I, I never day? went to music festivals. Okay, wasn't part of your Because scene? I was too young. I was like 17, like when I first met Christians, and so I was 18 when I gave my heart to Christ, but I did go to clubs. Like sure. I, I, I'd been to some clubs and and stuff. So, but I'd never been to a music festival. But my sisters, like I know the the scene pretty well. Yeah. For someone who's never been, okay. <laughs> my sisters and my friends and 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 stuff. And it's it's pretty similar to the club scene as well. Mm-hmm. It's just the difference is there's more of a focus on the live music. But anyways, yeah. Okay, so uh, Groove and the Moo in uh, the ACT has just announced that they will have pill testing uh, just inside the front gates this year. Mm-hmm. And I can see steam coming out of Lawson's ears oh, already. Man. <laughs> oh, man. I just... I dislike this so much. Pill testing. Pill testing. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just stating the facts. Here we go. Pill testing is the biggest excuse for not taking responsibility of your life. 100%. Like, it is just like... It is... Pill testing is just like... We don't want to take responsibility for our actions. Therefore, we're going to make it someone else's problem. Seriously, because think about this, right? Okay, so, so you've got pill testing. You go get your pills tested and then you uh, die because of your pills. And so then you sue the people because uh, their pill testing didn't work. Is that... Um, no, but what I, what I mean is so so what, what, the, what they're trying to do, right, is... So over the, over the summer, six people have died at music festivals yeah, from overdosing, which is horrific. terrible, like mm-hmm. worst thing ever. And so people, and, 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 you, and you've got the and you've got the music festivals blaming the government for this, by the way. Yeah, but this is this is what pill testing is. You hold the run music running the music festival for goodness sake. This is this is what pill testing is essentially is the music festivals and the patrons of the music festivals are saying us dying from faulty illegal illicit drugs is the fault of the government because we don't have the opportunity to test them. So what the government needs to do is roll out state-sponsored pill testing so that people stop dying at festivals. Okay, let me the, let me give you a, let me give you an example. Why don't we have gun testing because some guns are unsafe? Yeah. So that all the criminals can bring their guns in have their guns tested and say, okay, these guns are safe to use and these guns are not. See, this is, this is the... You know, because, I mean, this is, this is the reality. Mm. Most of the drugs that are taken at music festivals are ex- is ecstasy. Mm-hmm. Ecstasy is not safe. Yeah. There is no such thing as a safe ecstasy pill. Mm. Not only that, it's like illegal. That, it absolutely, is illegal. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so ecstasy is an illicit, illegal there's reason, drug. There's a reason why ecstasy is illegal because it is not safe. Yeah. It can kill you. 
it's oh, it just boggles my brain. Let me run through some, some facts for you. Okay, so the first, first of all, um, it's going to bring a false sense of security. You've mm-hmm. had your drugs tested, so therefore they're all good to go um, and uh, we, we've got no problems, whereas the, the, uh, the, the reality is that if you take a scraping of a pill, the rest of that pill might be entirely different from the scraping that you've taken mm-hmm. and the other pills that you have bought might be entirely different from that pill. So it gives yeah. you no sense of no actual security whatsoever at all. It does not solve the problem. Um, it, in, it enables drug dealers. Now, let me talk about drug dealers for a moment. Drug dealers are the lowest form of scum on the planet. They are murderers and they should be locked up as murderers because they are taking people's lives and they are contract killers because they are earning money from it. Yeah. Simple as that. Um <clears throat> You get different contents from one pill to another. Um, And basically what it does is it turns music festivals into a free-range drug fest. So if you're the kind of person who, you know, is an occasional drug user, you know that it's safe to do it at the... Well, you think that it is safe to do it at the music festival, so guess where all the drugs are going to be taken? It's like, well, these are illegal drugs. I don't want to get caught with these illegal drugs, but if I go to the music festival, they're not going to be illegal, and I will be safe from the police there. And I can even publicly go out and say, hey, I've got these pills. Here they are. These are illegal pills in my pocket and get them tested. Mm. Um, These are addictive substances. Yeah. You know, so you are enabling addiction Mm. uh, within our community. And so there's going to be a bunch of people that will take these drugs for the first time at a music festival because they got tested and think that they're safe and then they're addicted to it and their life is destroyed as Mm -hmm. a result of it and society around them is destroyed and the government has to fork out massive amounts of money to both treat them and imprison them for all of the criminal activity that comes as a result of that. Yeah. 72% of deaths from pills at music festivals have nothing to do with the additives in the pills. They are deaths from ecstasy. Yeah. Nothing yeah, else. Yeah, this is a big they thing. Are not, like, they are not... They are water not a- intoxication is a massive... Like, so they'll take an ecstasy pill and they'll get super off their face and then because they get extremely thirsty... And they'll die from water intoxication, not overdosing. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with whether the pill is a so-called safe ecstasy. You know, pure ecstasy or something like No, it's just terrible. Now, and here's the other thing. If, you, if you're allergic to it and you've mm. never tried it before, um, allergic reactions and all of those anaphylactic shock from using ecstasy, you only need to have 1% ecstasy in the pill. Wow. For it to kill you. <laughs> Rip. You know, and, and we're trying to we're going to have pill testing to make it safe somehow. Like, oh yes, these are safe pills, and those ones over there are not safe. Seriously. Um, <coughs> okay, the testing equipment that is used is very very basic. So there was four deaths in Victoria from um, ecstasy pills last year, and to be able to actually identify what was the content of those pills, they had to send them for testing in Spain because the technology didn't even exist. Mm. in Australia to find out what was in those pills and you think that you're going to have a little handheld pill testing thing at a music festival and it's going to tell you what the content is mm. um, <clears throat> and then of course you've got this thing that happens where you buy a pill you get it tested and it comes back as supposedly safe and so then all your friends ask you oh well where did you buy it from because I want to buy mine from a safe dealer and they go and buy them from this supposedly safe dealer uh, thinking that all of his pills are going to be of the same quality and the same level of safety. Yeah. 50% of the pills um, at a re- recent music festival contained fillers. 
Mm. Uh, 17% of them were made primarily of fillers, um, and these are things that include N-ethylpentalone, which um, hospitalized like 13 people in New Zealand. Um, and then out of all the people that took pills to get tested and found that they had all kinds of foreign substances in them like toothpaste and oil and caffeine and antihistamines, etc., 50% of them said they're going to take the drugs anyway. Yeah. This, okay, so the obvious argument comes up after all of this, like from, from someone who doesn't support it, and it's like, why don't you just stop taking drugs? And then the next argument comes up, which someone who is, you know, full pill testing thinks is, is very obvious. People aren't going to stop taking no, drugs. they're not going to stop taking drugs. And the music festivals need to hire more police and have better security uh, if they want to save lives, not enable drug dealers. Exactly. This is, this is about enabling. Like, and, this and, is and these music festivals are making money hand over fist. Mm. They need to fork out. If they can't provide a safe environment, then they should not exist. Plain mm. and simple. Anyway, rant over. Um, we do need to move on with the show. Um, we have Ali and Leighton coming up right now with Beyond. And then Mon will be back again with another interview uh, straight after that. You
three, two, one. Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening to the Breakfast Show with Lyle and Mon. Well, in this case, Lyle and Lawson, because I am over here in Kenya having an absolute amazing time. My life is being changed daily. I wish I could have just packed you all in my suitcase and brung you over to Kenya, and we could have had this experience together live here in the Nakuru district. As it is, I might just have to tell you about it on the radio. So I have actually lined up a really special interview this morning. Uh, I am here with Judy, one of the team leaders. Uh, we've heard from Ivan, her husband, just the other day. And uh, today I'm going to be interviewing her. So I've dragged her away from the uh, the pharmacy desk and into a little back room. I always need to find some sort of back room somewhere. And I think today we've managed to find the kitchen. <laughs> so we found the church kitchen and uh, we're, we're ensconced in here. And I'm going to pick her brain and we're going to find out all about about Judy. But Judy, do you know what? I actually want to hear about you and Ivan first because you guys are such a sweet couple and you're an amazing dynamic ministry team. And I'm single, so I kind of need some advice. So tell me a little bit about how you and... Oh, by the way, welcome to the show. Tell me a little bit about how you and Ivan got together and how that all happened. Well, um, Ivan and I met when we were very young. I was only 14 and he was 17. Um, we had a friendship for some years and then the romance blossomed and we married when I was 18 and he was 21. That is so sweet. Oh, young love. Okay, so I've obviously missed the boat because I'm almost 35. <laughs> but you guys, um, you do this ministry and I know that you come out to Kenya like two times a year, one, two times a year. And I'm sure that when you're at home, there's so much prep work. It probably feels like a full-time job. But this is actually something that you, the two of you are doing in your retirement. So tell us a little bit, I guess, about how that came into play. We took, we were fortunate enough to take early retirement. And um, for the first 12 months of that retirement, we went around Australia. As we travelled around Australia and we had a wonderful time in the West, um, we were praying to the Lord to lead us to what he wanted us to do for the next part of our lives. We were still young enough and healthy and we didn't want our retirement to be about just about us because it can, be, it can become quite a selfish time. And so as we travelled, we studied the Bible and we prayed to God to lead us to something that he would wish us to do. We put our feelers out to lots of different uh, organisations and it turned out that after we'd finished our travels, we were led to Kenya, but not directly to Kenya Health. So while we were here in Kenya working at an orphanage, we... Um, met up with a group of people from Woolambar who were coming over and doing free medical camps. They needed our assistance and um, we were more than happy to help and as we got involved in the work we just felt so strongly that that's what God had led us to. That's, it's such, I'm so inspired just by this alone. I mean, I, obviously I've missed the boat with marrying young, but I don't, <laughs> I'm making Judy laugh. But I, I, I am inspired that when I retire, instead of just going and playing bingo and, and bridge or whatever it is retired people do, to spend a year in prayer and ask the Lord what to do with my retirement years. And if you're a retiree and you're listening, I, I guess we want to encourage you that don't think that just because you're retired now that that's it, that the show is over, the curtains close. Start praying. Start praying in earnest. Study your Bible and see where the Lord will lead you because it led Judy and Ivan to Kenya. How many times have you been to Kenya now? 
nine times. That's incredible. I'd just like to say that um, when we made the decision that we felt that God had led us to this work, we had a wonderful old retired pastor, Pastor Ian Johnson, and he said to us, if you're prepared to put your life into God's hands, strap on your safety belt and hang on for the ride because it will be amazing and it has been. Yeah, absolutely. And do you know what? And I guess it's not just the story of retirement, but any stage in life, if you if you hang on to God, you've got to strap in because it's going to get exciting. And who did you ever think throughout your married life and your working life with your husband, Ima, that you, the two of you would end up being so involved with a country so far away as Kenya? We never, we didn't expect that and even more than that we didn't expect that we'd be involved in medical work because neither I nor I have a medical background. We both come from management um, but it's amazing how we and we would never have looked to work in medical work but God's got a sense of humour and um, we have learnt so much and our talents have been utilised within the organisation and we just would never have looked into this direction for, for, our, for the time that we're spending now. So I think, uh, I think you've smashed that old adage that old dogs can learn new tricks. Not calling you an old dog at all, okay, Judy? <laughs> You're still a spring chicken. <laughs> Although I must say, Ivan really surprised me. I thought he was maybe reaching his 60s, but he's turning 70. Like, is it next year? This year, at the end of this year. Happy birthday, Ivan, when that comes around. <laughs> But yeah, so you have just admitted that you're in medical missionary work, but you're not a medic. So what is it you actually do within the medical missionary work in Kenya? So while we're over here in Kenya, as you said originally, we are the team leaders. So we support the team that comes with us. But when we're at clinic, I work specifically in um, in the pharmacy, helping um dispense the prescriptions uh, what I need to explain to Australians that while I haven't got a qualification we always have someone with a qualification overseeing the final dispensing because we can make up the scripts but we can't actually explain to the patients how to take them so we have a nurse or a clinician to dispense the final script and they check what we've prepared yeah so basically we fill in all the blanks in between all the all the professionals the medical professionals because i'm here as well helping out and i don't have any sort of a medic background at all so yeah i know what you mean and uh and i i think it's important to note that even if you don't have a medic uh medical background that anyone can help uh, in a medical field over here because i'm sure you must have had so many people coming along on these mission trips over the years who haven't had a clue about anything and who've still been effective um i do want to ask you about something i saw happen just a few days ago judy <laughs> and you might have to elaborate on the whole story wasn't there a chicken somehow involved at a clinic the other day <laughs> that's true mon um this this story goes back pre our beginning with Kenya Health. So six we've we've been with Kenya Health six years. So prior to that we had a lovely patient, her name is Judy as well. She was only a young mum. She had a a very sad story. Her husband had left her after she had a, a little boy with cerebral palsy. As it turned out Judy had a, a, um, a bad heart, a weak heart 
and she'd been going to a doctor and the doctor told her she could no longer work on the farm because her heart wasn't strong enough. But she was working on the farm to get enough money to pay for her heart medication. Judy came along to one of the Kenya Health Clinics and um, the Australian team agreed that they would pay for her her um, heart medication for her. The other problem was that she wasn't able to carry her young son with the severe disability. We came into the picture about that point and we met Judy and her young boy Colin and we personally purchased a wheelchair for Colin. We continued to pay for her medication for a couple of years but then Rosemary, our local nurse, was able to organise a heart operation for Judy. She was sent to Nairobi and sponsors in Australia paid for that operation. And the wonderful news about that was that she did no longer have to take medication and that she's much healthier. So we hadn't seen Judy for about three years. And lo and behold, at the clinic we had last Sunday that Mon's already alluded to, Judy arrived with a new little child that she has. Colin, the older boy, is still at home, 11 years old now. But she came along with the little boy but and she needed treatment, but it was just, you know, for a cold. But Judy is a very poor lady who lives in a mud hut and she brought along a chicken as a big thank you for everything that Kenya Health has done for her. And it, it, it brought tears to my eyes because if you think about it, like they don't have much to give. She must have like given. Like it reminds me of the widow with the two the two pittance when she when she sticks it in the offering in the, the story in the Bible. She turned up with a chicken and gave that to us like, with its feet tied up, of course. <laughs> and then it was actually quite the laugh because we didn't know where to stick it, so we had to stick it in the rubbish box. And so it just sat there. It looked pretty. It looked pretty content actually, just sitting in the rubbish box until Ivan came in and then it started to crow at him. <laughs> It was quite the laugh, but it, it is it is such a heartwarming experience to see these people so grateful for the work that um, that you and Ivan and the teams that have been coming over to Kenya have done for her and her family in particular, and the gratitude and the enormous amount of sacrifice it would have taken to give that chicken. Um, so it's just one story out of so many, and I am I hope you don't mind, but I am going to put up pictures of that chicken, you and that chicken, <laughs> the two Judies and the chicken up on the Faith FM website, Faith FM Facebook, so you can check out Judies and the chicken. Um, but I do want to ask you another question before we finish here, Judy. We've been having a little bit of fun the last few days, dipping in and out of town, uh, going to fabric shops because we've been looking at buying curtains for an exciting new project. Um, tell us a little bit about this, this project. Oh, I'd love to. It's, it's been a dream of ours since we've been involved with Kenya Health and it was certainly the dream of the founder that we would set up a permanent clinic site. We um, searched for some years for suitable land and we found some land at Piavi, which is in the countryside not far out of Nakuru, but it's in a very poor area, dirt roads. Um, but our plan was to build a clinic downstairs and volunteer accommodation upstairs. And uh, the builder has been very efficient and he's done a wonderful job and finished a couple of months ahead of schedule 
and so our next trip in August we plan to be moving in so as Mon said we went downtown and started to pick out some lovely African fabrics and when this trip has finished our volunteers are heading off on two lots of safaris and while they're on safari I'm going to borrow a, a sewing machine and start to make up the curtains. I'm, I'm really I have to admit I was so excited about going to the fabric shops I was having a blast as a craft enthusiast I was having a great time in the Kenyan fabric shops all those bright and beautiful prints I do want to quickly touch on about something that I think might blow Australians mind um, something that I saw uh, when we were driving around first one time in town um, I saw these gentlemen on the side of the road uh, with sewing machines uh, and they were just doing tailoring on the side of the road and that was their business and I went to one of the supermarkets and they were selling brand new sewing machines and I was absolutely astounded to discover these aren't like the Faf or the Janome or the Bellinas that we know. They're these like, what are they called again? They're a manual sewing machine because they don't have the electric supply along the streets so the, the treadle old treadle sewing machines yeah so it's old treadle sewing machines that you can still buy in Kenya and when I went in there like when I saw them for sale I actually first thought oh they're selling antiques to decorate people's homes I didn't realise that's like the top of the range modern sewing machine to them so are you going to be using one of those to make the curtains no I'm not I'm going to borrow an electric one <laughs> do you even know how to use one of those old ones I do <laughs> yeah I don't I'd love to learn they're very ornate and beautiful well thank you so much for telling us that story I guess I want to know um, how can, like I'm here on this mission trip can other people come along yes we we come twice a year and we're always looking for volunteers to come with us um, so you can go to our www.kenyahealth.org and um, find contact details or express your interest through the website. And, uh, and anyone can come along. Like we said, you don't have to be a medical professional, although medical professionals are very welcome. Very welcome, yes. Very welcome. Very welcome. And, uh, and, of course, the next lot of people that are coming will have the joy of being in this uh, the new medical clinic uh, for the first time with hopefully some lovely African curtains happening there. Um, but more than just curtains, you guys are, are raising funds to furnish the entire place because there's nothing in there right now. There's no beds, there's no kitchenware, there's no furniture whatsoever. Um, and I guess we are looking for donations uh, a lot of Australians uh, support the Kenya Health uh, Clinic and the Kenya Health um, Ministry, and a lot of the work that is done here has been done um, by the grace of God through the help of Australians. So where can people donate if they would like to, I don't know, buy a bed or maybe some bedding or something? <laughs> yes, once more go to our website and um, there's a donation button that you press and all our donations are tax deductible. And the other thing I'd really love to say, Mon, is that 97.5% of all donations come direct to Kenya. The 2.5% we give we pay to Rotary to transfer the funds for us, but none of the donated money is used for anything except directly for the work here. And I just want to reiterate that I, now that I'm here and I've seen it personally, I know from experiencing myself that Ivan and Judy and Kenya Health are so careful to make sure that all the money goes where it should be going. I have not seen anything amiss, so has my stamp of guarantee and approval on there. And uh, yeah, we're so thankful for the work that you guys are doing here in Kenya and just spreading the mission work and spreading the love of Jesus through the medical missionary work. Thank you so much for joining us, Judy. It wasn't that bad, was it? Judy was a little bit scared. Was it that bad? No, it wasn't, Mom. Yeah, it's never that bad when I'm doing the interview. I'm a very gentle interviewer. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us, Judy. Back to you guys in the studio. 